Welcome to Uncontained. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and up top, I'd just like to apologize to all the listeners for the irregularity of the show. It's kind of like a old man who forgot to take his Metamucil or something like that. I haven't been releasing right on time, so uh, I apologize for that. Things have been kind of busy. I promise. I promise you guys that I do not have the COVID and uh, things are going well, just a little busy and hectic. So please bear with me if my shows are at a little bit of an irregular schedule uh, currently. So I will get back on track before too long. But right now, there's there's a lot going on. So right now, I'm actually going to jump back in a flashback episode or a, um, a reboot. A replay episode of episode 13 with uh, Big D Don Black. He's a radio personality that worked at the radio station I used to work at, 94.1 KRNA, back before I worked there. And uh, during this interview, um, Big D was working in Lansing, Michigan at a hip-hop radio station. And uh, we we talked about the state of radio and how it will eventually adapt to uh, survive because radios are survivor. Some cool stories, including including a hip-hop legend that he he interviewed back in the day. So we'll do that. But one one thing that makes this makes this episode relevant right now in this current time is we recorded this just over four years ago or right around four years ago when uh, the election was about to happen and uh, before Trump became president but the racial the racial tension was rising then and uh, we're seeing that to even more of an extreme now and we just had a really good conversation about that. So um, I want to take a trip back to episode 13 with Big D Don Black who is now at um, WJMR in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, jamming. 98.3 so if you find yourself in milwaukee wisconsin uh, check him out on jammin 98.3 or go to wwwjammin 98.3.com and uh as anybody who's used a computer before knows, you don't need to type the www anymore, but it's just so damn fun to say. I won't keep you waiting any longer. Uh, check out this episode as we throw back all the way to episode 13 with Big D Don Black, who I'd, I'd love to have come back on the show at some point uh, in the near future. So I'll have to reach out to him about that and see if we can make that happen. But please, listen enjoy join the conversation let me know what what you thought about this episode this is how big d don black lives uncontained don how you doing man static i'm doing well uh, i'm very happy to be on your show thanks for uh inviting me to be on it and uh you know i this is, this is gonna be a lot of fun hell yeah don want to tell the people about you a little bit yeah uh well i've been doing radio since i was 16 years old um Started off at a little college radio station in Chicago, and from there I've been you know, plenty of places. Uh, did some stuff in Chicago, also in Iowa, uh, Cedar Rapids, and Iowa City. 
uh, Peoria, Illinois, Fredericksburg, Virginia, and now currently in Lansing, Michigan. Worked several different formats. We actually uh, wound up working at the same station, not at the same time, but uh, but at the same station, KRNA. And, that is correct. In, uh, in uh, Cedar Rapids, and um, but it worked plenty of formats. Rock. Uh, uh, the station I currently work at is an urban station. I've uh, done oldies, uh, AC, hot AC, which is adult contemporary. Um, only format I think I have not done is country, and I'm not in a rush. <laughs> not in a rush to do that. I don't think I could see you doing country. Not saying you couldn't pull it off, well, but uh... here's the one thing I will tell you. I always tell people this. I mean, you you can put me in any place, and I, all you have to do is make it believable. Just know if you know what you're talking about, you know, you can actually do it. People think that you have to really like the music that you play. And it's not that's not necessarily true. If you're a good host can, you know, make it any, anything work. I don't think that Ryan Seacrest like likes all the people on American Idol, but he makes it look like he does, though. So, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I'm just not in a hurry to go do any country. But if I if push came to shove and I needed to do some stuff, I could do it. I could pull it off. No problem. Right on, right on. I I actually would kind of like to hear you try to do uh do country radio just just for a day, just for a day. <laughs> all, all have, look, all I would have to do is know the artist, which I kind of know some of the artists, and just you know, kind of you know, it's the same thing with any any radio format. If you know about the artist, I actually I'll tell you this story. When I started working at KRNA, um, I was doing overnights and. I really didn't know a lot about, they call it active rock, which is basically current stuff that was on the radio. It was, this was probably like between uh, 2000 and 2003 I was there. And I really didn't know a lot about Ozzy Osbourne. I knew the name, but I didn't know his catalog. I didn't know, I knew a, I knew of Metallica, but I didn't know yeah. catalog. Same thing, Nirvana, same thing. So, and this is before, you know, the internet, you had the internet, but it wasn't jumping like it is right now. And I had to basically like do research to figure out what I was talking about. And the key to it is the listener, the list, if you're on the air, the listener expects you to know everything, even if you don't. <laughs> so, you know, you try to do the best you possibly can. And I just, you know, if I, you know, you have the time to figure it out. So I would say, okay, let me see, who am I talking about here? I figured it out, looked up what I wanted to talk about. Oh, that's interesting write something out, figure it out, and then go and put it out there. And people thought that I'd been listening to this music for years. And uh, uh, the cool thing about it is that I, I I got an appreciation for, you know, rock music. I didn't grow up listening to it. Actually, let me take that back. There were certain songs that I did listen to, but I really wasn't trying to uh, really buy any of it. But there was stuff that I knew. You know, I knew about Def Leppard, Billy Idol, and stuff like that. I had listened to it, okay. but I didn't really seek it out. And it's just like any job. When you go into a job, you just have to figure out, okay, wh what are we working with? If I don't know something, I have to. I have no choice. I have to figure it out. So I started to learn all this stuff, and before you knew it, I'm, I'm really getting into it. And and it, you know, and there's still a lot of stuff that I listen to today. I mean, I look. I, I always tell people the story about driving a going to uh, going to an Iowa football game, and I had this specific CD that I would listen to all the time, and I'm driving driving around and i pull up to this car not, there's a whole bunch of white people in the car and then it's just me by myself black guy in this big suv and i am <laughs> blaring what was it um war pigs by black sabbath and, <laughs> and and they are and i'm jamming out to it and they just looked at me like okay 
But I, but I absolutely love Warpage. Absolutely. Love. Like how how long ago was this? Oh, this was a while ago. I was still living in Iowa at the time when this happened. But uh, but people it, people just you know thought it was just like if you knew me, it wasn't a weird thing. But if you didn't know me, because we have people like to stereotype, so they're thinking that yes. you know. You know, I'm listening to some hip hop and I'm like general just going just jamming out to the war, war pigs and they just uh, thought it was okay, that's that's kinda hot, <laughs> but I think we'll roll with it. But oh, that doesn't fit the mold. No, it doesn't fit the mold, but but it, it's a beautiful thing because it is. I, I you know, I just discovered a lot about, you know, a lot about stuff that I never never thought that I would like. You know, and I can find and good music is good music no matter what. So I mean one of my favorite groups is um Led Zeppelin. And uh, and can't argue with that. And, and and for people to know the history of Led Zeppelin, and you know how a lot of their stuff is based in blues and 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 some and and probably some rhythm and blues as well too. I, I'd say more blues than anything. But uh, same thing with the Stones. Um, so all of this is kind of kind of connected, and I can find funk in all of this. So I I I, I just think it's just it's so cool. So I, I don't I don't think I can deal with the uh, speed metal. That kind of scares me a little bit. But, but, um, well, for the most part, yeah, I, musically, I can, I can jam out to anything, but getting back to the whole radio aspect of things, and this just goes for anything, um, no matter what station you wind up working at, if you wind up doing that, I mean, it's, if you just all, it's a job, you got to know your product. What, what, what are you selling? Who are you talking to? What are the artists? That's any job. I know people that work at hip hop stations that love hip hop music, but they, they can't say the names of artists, right? Don't know who this person or that person is, but they love music, but they don't know that stuff. That's because they don't yeah. research to find out. So, I mean, but that's how I was able to get 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 through that stuff. But I, the cool thing is, I didn't have to change who I was. I was still, I'm, I've, I've been the same person I've been since I don't know when, and I've never changed that. And you know, I can relate to things uh, in different ways than other people can, and I and I use that to my advantage, uh, and um, could tell stories that you know, you know, tell tell stories to people in a perspective that they normally wouldn't hear it from. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, it just it did me good. So, yeah. And I think I think the audience can like sense that uh, honesty, you know, you staying true to who you are, not just trying to oh fit into that format. Yeah. Because when I was working at KRNA, when a song came on that I didn't like, right. I'd actually say it. Right. You know, and I think I don't know if that's ne- looking back at it. I don't know if that's necessarily good business, <laughs> but probably uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would make fun of like Aaron Lewis from Stained and like uh, Scott Stapp, the Bible beating rock star uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, looking back at it, not good business, but it definitely, I think, gained a lot of credibility with the audience, yeah. you know, because they're like, oh, this guy's not going to pretend that he likes every single song that he throws at us. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, where I work right now, I, I'm I'm 44 years old, and some of the hip hop that we play right now is not the hip hop I grew up on, and you know, it, it it's not necessarily made for me. Uh, it's made for people 18 to 34, and I get that. Um, and I look at it this way: I, you know, I don't like everything that I play, but that's not my job. My job is to we're playing the music for the people who like that stuff. So. You know, I, I, you know, you want to make fun of somebody. Yeah, that's fine. We can make fun of somebody. But I, me personally, I would never go as far as to say, you know, I don't like that cat. You know, I don't I don't like him. The only reason I wouldn't do it is because, once again, it's a product that you're selling. Now, you can you can find you can always find ways to make fun of them 
and go, you know, give little jabs and stuff like that. That's always a cool thing to do. But I've always thought that, you know, a person who's listening to your station and you're playing a song that they like and then you go and say um, that you don't like that person. And I've done the same thing that you've done before. And I had to learn, I had to learn <laughs> the hard way not to do it. But, you know, that the person who's listening, you know, if they hear you try, it, it, that might be their favorite artist in the whole wide world. And if you if they get upset, then you've lost a listener. And, you know, I, like I said, I've, I've learned that the hard way, but there's always ways around that, you know, to make fun, of people, yeah. have, to have, you know, have, have some fun. There's always ways around it. So, uh, but you're right about the honesty aspect. Um, you know, you can tell when people are just going, hey, you know, the, the, the fake guy as opposed to the person who's, you know, genuine about what they do. You can tell it. You can absolutely tell it in their voice. Absolutely tell. I can, I can tell a phony a mile away. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And. So what would some of the jabs be that you would take that would be kind of more accessible? Like, I know for me, like one of them without coming out and actually saying I didn't like somebody would be like going back to the Aaron Lewis and Stain thing, being like, this song is sponsored by Kleenex (laughs) or something like that. Grab your box of tissues and get a big hug, you know, but you do stuff like that or Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would do stuff like that because I mean. That jab right there is not too bad because, I mean, if it's a sappy song, it's a sappy song. It is what it is. Um, and you can do that. That's You can take take that tongue in cheek. I'm trying to think of somebody who I really didn't care for too much. Um, well, you know what? It, it's not that I didn't care. I actually really, really like Nirvana. And I'll never forget this. I did a bit on the overnight um, about uh, uh, Kurt Cobain. And it was like this little news report saying, that, hey, you know, we just got finished playing a Nirvana song. I said, hey, uh, newsflash, uh, uh, Kurt Cobain is still dead. And it went from going to uh, there's this whole thing about the, we don't know about the new Nirvana album because Kurt Cobain is still dead. We don't know if, you know, he's going to be showing up at the MTV Awards because, you know, he's still dead. I did this whole bit about it. It was funny when I did it. And. Just to show you that people in the overnight, the people do listen to the station all the time. I got so many emails. People were upset because they thought that I was being just really mean. And I'm like, I I went back over and I'm thinking, all I said was that he was still dead because he is. I All I did was state a fact. And yeah. people got their panties and a bunch about it. So, and it, it, it but it, it helped me out because. It, it it got me. It got people. People thought there were certain people that thought it was funny. My boss thought it was funny, and it got you know it 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 showed people that I was paying attention to what I was doing. I wasn't just you know trying to go well that was and this is. I was trying to think outside the box. So, yeah. Um. I'm trying to think. I would probably. I remember. I we used to do like uh way back Wednesdays with the with all the hair bands. Oh my God. Uh, and, and some of the songs, some of the songs were absolutely awesome. Some of them were just god awful, and um, I would try. I can to, agree with you on that. I would try to make fun of some of the songs, like you know, I I still don't know what smooth up in you means. I think I do, but uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I have an idea, but you know, I you know I don't know what woman would like really like a guy screaming smooth up. I mean, it's kind of kind of dorky, but. You know, it, it, I mean, you like it, you like it. It is what it is. Um, um, or, or I would talk about, you know, the only time we, the, anytime we played anything by Seven Dust or Thin Lizzy or um, I'm trying to think of who else, or Lenny Kravitz, I'd call it Black Rock. You know, okay. I call it that. Not too many other people get away with it. I could get away with it. Um, 
and you know, you know, make fun of the fact that we, you know, we ain't playing enough black people. You know, and I, I would do something <laughs> like that, and it would be funny. Um, but also serious at the same time because there are lots of there are lots of great you know black rock oh, Jimi Hendrix you know stuff like you know, yeah um, that was that was a really weird time a weird period KRNA was in just the one when it went from actor to classic and just I, I but it is what it is but um, yeah I, it never quite transferred away from the classic uh, rock either like it kind of went alternative and classic yeah. or like I mean it's, yeah. it's weird I mean I still love the station I still love it uh, um. You know, when I get back, I get a chance to listen every now and then. And, you know, and it was a really it was a really cool time being there because we did so many crazy things and had so much fun uh, before, like, uh, Cumulus took it over. But it was it was still fun. We I mean, there's a lot of things that uh, were born uh, from me working there as far as it was the first place where I ever did a morning show. And awesome. Uh, I was able to develop some bits that, you know, people to this day still remember, even though I haven't done them in so long. There were some of the stupidest things you could possibly think of, but people people love like you dumbass was the dumbest thing, the dumbest thing I could possibly <laughs> think of. But people went nuts to the point where when we first started doing you dumbass, it was this little stupid game show where I asked really, like three really simple questions. And if you got if you didn't get, if you got two, there's only three questions. If you didn't get, couldn't get two out of three right, you had to call yourself a dumbass. I never asked to do the bit. I just did it. And <laughs> I just did it. And I remember I got called in the PD's office, Joe Nugent. He goes, hey, hey, you know, you, before you do any bits, you know, you're supposed to clear that with us. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He says, but no, that's funny. It's really funny. We want to run it on the morning show as well, too. So I would, so the ones that I would do that night, I would produce, I, I'd set them up so the morning show could run them back. So they were running my you dumbass breaks on on the morning show. Uh, oh, cool. That, that was the first taste of it. And I think the other thing was uh, ask Don Black. You can just ask me any stupid question and, and trust me. Uh, I still have some of them saved where somebody asked me about when you, when, you, when you take a poop, do you wipe from front to back or back to front? It was the dumbest thing in the world, but people literally howled over it. Because some of the things that I, I had no clue what somebody was going to ask me. I had no clue. And I, would, I just rolled with it. Sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was bad. But people set their watches to this. So, I, I mean, I, like, I think I ran my night show like a morning show. And I, you know, I had having benchmarks and stuff like that. But it was a lot of fun. Um, and, and being able to do morning radio with Tommy Lang and everything like that, was, it was absolutely awesome. And, and it got me to, you know, really figure out, you know, where I wanted to be as a, as a personality and, after that, it just kind of just snowballed from there. Awesome. And, you know, you mentioned Tommy Lang. He actually used to be my neighbor when I lived in <laughs> Iowa City when I was a kid. So it's like, it's totally crazy. Oh, and I'll have to have him on the show sometime, too, because yeah. I'm sure he has some good stories. You know, I, have, uh, I actually, I, I'm, I'm sitting up here looking at this microphone that I have right here. I was supposed to send to Tommy uh, that I told him I would give to him, and I still haven't done it yet. I have two of them, uh, two USB mics, and I told him I'd give him one, and I'm giving him the used one because I don't like him that much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, Tommy, Tommy actually was the one who was responsible for me uh, actually going to KR, working at KRNA. I had actually taken about four years off from the business. And uh, with, I think I was 
what was I doing? I, I, I was still, I was DJing, doing some DJ stuff. I was bartending and working at Best Buy as well, too. And he would come over to my apartment and we'd all watch wrestling together, professional wrestling. <laughs> and, uh, he told me about, you know, hey, man, we got this, this shift open. You want to? I was like, no, I don't want to do that. He said, you sure? I'm like, no, you sure? And he finally talked me into doing it, so I did. And uh, right on. And uh, I'm glad. I'm very, very glad that he did. Uh, and I owe him a lot, even though I've given him grief. I think I've tried to kill Tommy like maybe three times uh, <laughs> that I know of. Uh, but uh, and but he's a really good guy. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm glad that he's okay. I'm I'm pretty sure you know about you know his the health situation that he had. Oh yeah, definitely. And that that really kind of scared the scared the crap out of me uh, I, i'm still i'm really good friends with you know his family and his mom and and i chatted with her about that whole thing and and um and you know actually you know you know went to go visit him and you know see him and and you know uh, and he's, he's doing a lot better and that's a good thing because uh, yeah he's looking good he's looking good now yeah he's looking at i mean he's his his wit has never has never lost him his wit has never lost him, even even being at the point where you're you're all, you're, you're near death. And I'm I don't know how I would have been able to handle that. I really don't know. Uh, you know, you never know until you're in that situation, man. But he handled that like I mean, he if if, if I, I would never want that to happen to me. But if it, if something like that were to happen, I think that's that's the way to handle it. He handled it very well. Was very open about it, and. And probably helped so many people with the way he dealt with that. Yeah, you know, and uh, I, you know, I commend him. I'm happy he's he's doing better. He's back doing radio. I've actually last time I was in Iowa, I actually sat in on um, sat in on his show, and uh, we it was a lot of fun. Did you periscope that? Uh, yes. At, no, I did Facebook Live. I had Facebook Live before anybody else had Facebook Live. So okay, yeah. So we did that. That was actually I, I, I Facebook Live like that whole weekend, and it was, that was <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, uh, being in the studio with him, and and we had a lot of people that used to listen to us that would call and and give us crap, and it was it was just it was just absolutely fun. Uh, Tommy and I when Tommy and I get together, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's a lot of fun. Now, yeah, he, Tommy can't drink anymore, but I still can, and, and uh, <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't try to uh, stop me from doing that. God bless him. I, I found it funny when he um, he had his uh, uh, party to you know raise money you know for the, his liver transplant and everything like that. It was at a bar, and <laughs> we all find that kind perfect of place. Yeah, like, perfect place for it. Yeah, Tommy's sitting there, and I'm thinking, okay, well, should we like drink shots to Tommy? It doesn't sound right, but okay, <laughs> but this shot is for your liver. Yeah, but but but. But uh, but Tommy was so cool about the whole thing, and he's just like, you know, it is what it is. I can't tell people not to do anything. He's like, Look, I'm just happy to be alive, and and, I, and I'm glad that he is as well too. So, but yeah, he's he's responsible for for that happening. Me getting back to um, uh, to 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 doing radio, and I I've always credited him with that, and I always appreciate him for that. And in a small way, he's responsible for me getting into radio too. Believe it or not, <laughs> like, but. Yeah, uh, when I was a junior in high school, well, with him being my neighbor, you know, I had the connection. Right. I had to do a job shadow experience. Oh. And uh, I, I was like, dude, I'd like to do it at the radio station. It was when KRNA was in Iowa City still. Right. 
And uh, so he set up a job a job shadow for me with uh, Joe Nugent, right. which you mentioned earlier. Right. So I got to go through, look at all the radio equipment, which is now antique, yeah. like the carts <laughs> and the reel to reel. I miss like... those things. I miss them. <laughs> <laughs> I never had to use the cart. I used like a reel to reel when I was in college just to learn how to cut and edit that. Yeah. But when I was at KRNA, I just saw it sitting in one of the studios with collecting dust, you know? So I was like, cool edit pro it is. <laughs> that damn shame what they do to those reel-to-reels. I wish I, I actually want to get one just so I can have it. Uh, I miss, you know, I think that that, see, here's a, here's a crazy thing. Um, back in the day, Having to, you know, use cart machines and pull all your music and use reel to reels, that weeded a lot of people out of the business because you really had to have your your head on a swivel to be able to do what we do. Yeah. And now because you have a computer in there and having a computer in there, which, which is it's not a bad thing. What it should do is give you the opportunity to uh, to be more creative with what have more time to create, you know, some some cool content. But what happens is people get lazy and they don't try to think of things like they're just sitting there like staring at the computer where I'm thinking, well, why don't you write out your break? If you have like four or five songs to figure out what you're going to say, you could probably come up with like some really, really, really cool stuff. But instead, you wait until like 30 seconds before you have to crack open the mic and then just throw whatever's out there. And that's that. And and that that's kind of. What's what's sad about our business right now, um, we don't have, you know, you don't have people who, you know, have the ability to to give good content. They really don't. Um, the, the people that were in the business back in the day, think about all the things that they had that they had to do. You know, you're running your board, you're pulling all your music, you're pulling your commercials. You have to edit a phone call on a reel to reel. You have to do all of this stuff. There are no computers in there. And you have to and make, actually have to play every song. Every song. <laughs> if you got look, if you got to go take a pee break, you got to do it within two minutes. And if you're a woman, it's even worse because you got to you got to sit. So I, I, I now, you know, you can be in a computer in a studio and just sit there and wait to talk to you four times an hour and like read a magazine, you know, twiddle your thumbs when you could be coming up with good content. But, you know, people are not doing that. And that's really sad. No, let me take that back. There are there are some people that are doing it, but there are more people who aren't. And that's sad. That's very sad. Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, there's uh, voice tracking, too, where the radio station has you record your whole show in advance, just recording the break since everything's digitized now, and they don't necessarily need you in there. Right. That's that's a bad thing as well. I, I mean, I think the, the idea of what they were trying to do was good, but it really got screwed up. And uh, I think when you start, when you have people who... Um, the people who run radio companies and they've never ever been in the business, they they're just money people and they're trying to figure out how to save a buck, you know, save a buck, like, you know, not, not spend a lot of money, but just make a lot of money, have no money going out, but a whole bunch of money coming in. The American dream. Right. And, and, and it, it, but what it, what's happened is, I mean, when you have, and I have friends that, that do this, that work for like, let's say like, let's say iHeart that are voice tracking maybe three or four or five stations in different markets. And all these stations are getting like the same show, the same content. 
you know, and that's that's kind of sad because there's nothing, you know, local about it. There's nothing, you know, that's very that that's means anything to that particular listener. Now, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm against voice tracking. That doesn't mean I'm against people doing stuff in different markets. If you're going to do it, I would say you have the ability to make that show, you know, you know, fit that other market that you're, you know, you're sending it to. But nine times out of 10, people are just trying to rush, get it done and, and go home. Yeah. And that's sad. You have the ability with, you know, we have, uh, uh, uh there's this guy I know who does, uh, one of our stations in, um, in Lansing. And you would think that that guy is here. You would think that guy is here. He's talking about stuff that's happening because you have the internet. You can find out all this stuff. You can find the news, the the, the news people. You can find, you can find everything and tailor that show to fit that market. Um, but people are lazy, and that's sad. <laughs> and, and, and and it's affected all of us. I mean, I I will admit that every times I've wanted to just go ahead and do my four breaks and get out and all right because I got other stuff to do. But then I have to remember, you know, what I got into this business for, and you know, try to, you know, entertain people. That's what we want to do. We want to entertain them. You know. Yeah, try to give them that water cooler moment, you know, so they can take something and share it with. Uh whoever at the water cooler the next day yeah, if they absolutely. still hang out there we take it for granted that we that we take it for granted that people are listening to us because they have so many other options uh of things that they can listen to like like this podcast um or you know they could listen to pandora or they could listen to the, the music on their own phones you have to give them a reason to listen and if you're not giving them a reason to listen then you're not doing your job so so what do you think, like, when people say radio is a dying form of media? Well, that's that's absolutely not true. It is not true that it is a dying uh, media. Uh, and I can tell you, because I've been able to do it for so long, uh, they, they said that when, when, when satellite radio came along, that that was going to kill radio. And no, it didn't. We're still here. Um, I think that you have people... You're starting to see a, 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 a they they you you have people that are finally getting it that the one thing that Pandora the one thing that SiriusXM the one thing that those stations those those companies can't do is be local and you'll find stations that are if they're local if they if they if they're putting good content on and they're relating to the people of that market yeah you can win the world's a lot smaller than it used to be a lot smaller and it doesn't take but a second to find a way to connect, you know, connect with a person, you know, in your city. And if you do that, they will they will be with you. They will listen to you over serious. They'll listen to you over something else. Uh, I've had people that have listened to my station that don't necessarily like the music, but because I connect with them, they'll stick around. And I think right there's some people that are starting to figure that out. And we need more of those people on the higher levels of some of these companies to make sure that, hey, these guys, you know, this is the way we went. I think I, I watch a lot of stuff that Alpha Media is doing, and they're absolutely great. Uh, they're letting their programmers program them. They're letting their DJs be DJs um, to a certain extent. I mean, they're, okay. they're letting them do that, and that's a, that's a good thing. 
Um, I think that. So when you say letting their DJs be DJs, programmers be programmers, do they have control over some of the content that they play? Uh, or absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, you know, there are certain things that will work in certain places, certain music that will work in certain markets, and certain things that you know won't. Uh, so if you're able to tailor your station to fit your market, if you know the kind of stuff that, you know, the people in your, your, your city listen to, and if you can fine tune your station to, to, to match what they listen to, that's a, that's a win as opposed to, you know, what, what's happened with, you know, some of these bigger companies where you have this one person telling you, all right, these are the songs that we're going to play. Uh huh. Yes, I ran into that a lot when I was at Cumulus yep. or at KRNA yep. with Cumulus, yep. and like that was one of the things that disappointed me yep. because I came from like doing college radio right. to that where I was able to host like a what I called the indie show where it was independent unsigned bands right. and you know put that programming out, have interviews with them, and I pitched that a couple times and it got shot down. Mm-hmm. And then Rock 108 started doing right. it, and you know, it was it was something that I I kind of hoped that I could do, right. and something that I think was awesome about radio in the past, where you could go there and actually hear new artists instead of like the a lot of the same artists over and over again that you hear everywhere else. Well, here's the funny thing about that. I mean. Uh, you know, there, there was a study where I was just, I was just in uh, Los Angeles uh, a couple weeks ago for the Worldwide Radio Summit, and there was a study that uh, uh, Fred Jacobs did uh, called a tech survey. I think this is the 12th one he's done, and he was talking about where people go to find new music, and it still is radio where people go to. It still is. That's really one. Um, not satellite radio, not, not Pandora. No, people are still going to um going to uh you know terrestrial radio um what's different about the business now is radio stations necessarily breaking music that doesn't necessarily happen too much anymore because you have that's what i was referring to right there that that aspect of it i i don't think it's as big as it used to be anymore because you don't you don't necessarily have to do that anymore. Um, when you have things like YouTube and you have other things that I mean, I pay attention to all these things and I'm sitting up here looking and I can I can tell what people are looking at, what people are paying attention to. And like, OK, they're, they're like, that's it. That's the one right there. There's something there. We, we can do something with that. Like if you look at Shazam, this is something that I use all the time. Uh, I can tell what the top 20 songs in my market are you know, that people Shazam and nobody Shazam okay. song that they don't like. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. So, you know, you look at that and you, that I'll look at that. And if I see something there that I don't know about, or we're not playing. All right. Then that gives me a sign that there's something there that I need to look at. And then I'll go there. There's so, there's so much research that you, that you can use. And your airtime is very precious. It's more precious than anything now. And here's the reason why. It's because of all the other avenues that people have uh, of, of things to listen to. Um, it's okay to do that on serious, uh, you know, breaking new music because people are actually paying money. It doesn't make a difference to them because they, they got the money already. They're paying them. Yeah. So with terrestrial radio, you really got to be very careful. People will sit through songs by people they know but don't necessarily like, 
they'll sit through them. But if it's a song that's that nobody knows by an artist that nobody knows, they may punch out really quickly. So you just have you have to find a way to to ride that to just to to balance that thing out. It's still a good thing to okay. break of the break artist. It's still a good thing to do, but you have to find the right balance and not just go completely overboard. Um and another thing is like if you know doing like a local music show and everything like that. And this is another thing that I've found is that you got to make sure you got enough talent in your town because just because somebody's local doesn't necessarily mean that they belong on the radio. <laughs> very true. Very true. There, there are some, there are some guys that, you know, that they may have a lot of people at their show, but they may sound like absolute crap. Like the, the, the quality, how they produce stuff. I always say that if you plan on being on my, on the airway on my station, your music should not sound just as good as the stuff we're playing, it should sound better because you're from here. You're from here. And, and, and you want to, you want to show people that you belong. I, actually, the one thing that you really want to do is you want, you want your song to sound, look like the basically sound like it fits in. You don't want to sound like a local artist. You want to sound like you belong. Nobody should be able to tell that you're local, but people don't get that. So what are some things like a band should do in order to get that sound when they want to submit to like be on the radio? Like if somebody is like, hey, man, will you play my music on the radio? What are some things that they can do to maybe be successful? Well, the first thing I would tell them to do is and, and this is really, really big. Um, when you go and put your stuff together, your music together, make sure that, you know, sound quality. I mean. Make sure you're producing your stuff. I mean, if you if you're producing music in your house, in your home, make sure that you have all the right things that you have that make it sound like app the, the best that it possibly can be. Don't give me anything that sounds like crap. You know, I don't want to hear people running in the back. I, if, it, if it sounds like crap, if you, you know, we don't want it. <laughs> uh, but you'd be surprised. Presentation is all, always good as well, too. You should never, ever go to a station. And hand them a CD with, you know, a, a, just a burnt CD with some with uh, written with uh, with uh, with Sharpie. No presentation, presentation. Okay. Like you're selling yourself. You if that's the way you're going to sell yourself. I actually had a, a guy come to the station. He dropped off his CD, not in the case. It was wrapped up in a paper towel. <laughs> I, I, I'm not joking. And a paper towel, and it had, and it had um, uh, you wrote a wrote on it in Sharpie. I didn't even bother listening to it. I threw it straight in the garbage, because if you don't care, why should I? If you can't even get if you can't if I can't get past your presentation, uh, you know, what's the point? And I know people sit up there and say, well, you know, you're not even giving them a chance. The song could have been the best, but first impressions are are key. If you can't put on a good first impression, you can't even get in the door. Yeah. So you, you got to in this day and age, you have to have the full package. So you got to make sure that everything that you that everything that you do is is good. The packaging is good. The sound quality is good. And these these you have people who don't do any of these things, but they are complaining and say that you're trying you're not trying to do anything to help anybody. You're not trying to do anything to help yourself. So what I would say is, you know, make sure the sound quality is good. Make sure your presentation is good. If a station does not play your music right off the bat, that's okay. There's ways that you can make them do things. If you are doing shows around town, if you 
are if you have a lot of YouTube hits on your videos, you have so many ways to put your music out to other people where you can create a buzz where a station will go, hey, something's going on over there. Like just like I was talking about the whole Shazam thing. You can put songs out. You can, you can make your own label and put your songs out and, and code them in media base where they get detected. and You can do all of that stuff yourself. And if I'm sitting up here and, and, and I see that, you know, a lot of people are buying this one song, I'm like, what the heck is this song from here that I don't know about, but everybody's buying? You just made me aware of what you're doing. But people just think that, hey, you know, hey, I'm going to say you need to be you need to break me. It doesn't necessarily work that way. It doesn't. But some people still do, you know, take, you know, music from people and, you know, give them a shot on the air. But if you don't have that shot, there's other ways to get your stuff noticed. And that's by, you know, performing out, making sure your your your, your packages are all gravy uh, and, and creating a name for yourself. So that's a good way to do it as well, too. But people get, you know, one thing, one of the things that you should never do is if they don't play your music, because even with major labels, I always say this. Out of all the music you get in a year, that radio station gets uh, from from labels and everything like that, twenty percent of that makes it on the air. Oh wow! Twenty percent. A small number. It's a very small number. So think about this: if you're a local artist, you're trying to be one of the, you want to try to be in that twenty percent. So it better be damn good. It better be damn good. If it's not, then you know, hey, too bad. You know. And one, let me know if this works in your market or at your radio station. One thing I always told bands, like if they wanted some airtime or some mentions on the time, uh, I was like, go do like a charity show, a benefit show or something like that. And then let the radio station know about it because there's so much that the radio station has to devote to um, like pro bono stuff or like well, kind of like charity work. <laughs> Will that work at your radio sometimes, station? Or? Sometimes it works, but... The, the the problem with that is that's become the new hustle as well, too, that people, even when people you know say they're doing charity shows and everything like that, they always find a way where this, they're getting money somehow. So, you know, we look at those things. I, 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 I comb over all of that stuff. I, I had a woman who sent me a message about a um, a show that she was doing for free. And I'm like, OK. But the show was just benefiting her. And about just about her, about what she was doing, she wasn't giving anything away to charity. There was no benefit. It was just a free show. That's that's not necessarily what I'm looking for. Okay. So, uh, I mean, it, that can work, but I would say any any programming is uh, worth its weight is going to like comb you know comb over it. I would say just do, if you're good at what you do, you will be found. We will pay attention if you're good at what you do. We'll be we'll we'll see. We'll see you if you're good at what you do. Some of the things that people need to realize is is is, is that, you know, so some of those people who think that they're that good, they really aren't that good. And some people need to look in the mirror and say, do I really need to be doing this? I don't mean to sound all, you know, bad, <laughs> really not. But I, I like to deal with reality. I like to deal with reality. Everybody, everybody thinks that they're good because their mother, their brothers, their sisters, everybody's they're telling them that they're good. And what a lot of these people need are no men. Yes. Yeah, need a no man in their lives to say, no, you shouldn't be doing this. No, you shouldn't be. Nah, I don't know about that. Some people need that. It would help them out immensely. 
and maybe save them a lot of time and a lot of money and probably weed out and, and, and make way for the good people that are actually doing some stuff. So and I'm not saying that to, to discourage anybody from you know their dreams or whatever like that, because I still want people to follow their dreams. But I, but you should also be realistic as well too. you know, make sure the quality is good. Make sure everything that you do is good. If the station doesn't play your stuff. OK, that's cool. Still tell, tell them. Thank you. Don't go on Facebook and write a scathing letter about how they suck because they don't like the, the market and they're, they should burn in hell. Don't do that <laughs> because you may need them down the road. Um, yes. Just continue to do you. You your job is to do music, play music, perform. That's what you do. Our job is to find those good, find that good music and put it on the air. If you do your job, we'll do ours. Fair enough, right there. And yeah, if you're just hearing your good from friends and family, that's not a whole lot of weight. But if your pe- random strangers are coming up to you and being like, "Hey, dude, I like your stuff," that's that's at least a step towards the right direction, you know, like a little bit of credibility there. Right. Uh, I would say, wait, hold on. Like if my mom tells me I love your podcast, it's like, oh, thanks, mom. But uh, if like some dude I bump into at the bar is like, dude, I listen to your podcast every day. It holds a little bit more weight just because it's not family. Right. I I, I, I would say um, I, I, I agree with you on that, that, you know, it, it means a lot more. If somebody you have no clue who they are tells you that they like what you do, that means a lot coming from somebody that does not know you, because that means that they really like what you do. The people, you know, when your mother, your mom, your father, your friends, your family saying all this stuff, they're saying it because they're your friends and your family. I mean, they may honestly think that you're good, but they also don't want to hurt your feelings. When those people, those should be the people that should be the realest with you say, hey, uh, maybe you need to give up playing the guitar. It's not working for you you need to stop but friends and family like they, they don't they don't want to stop you they, they they just like you know what i you know i believe in you i believe but you know everybody knows that person everybody knows that person that is just horrible and they keep trying and you're like i don't want i don't want to be person to make a man you know yeah but but somebody needs to so they can stop wasting their time and their money uh, and, and that goes to the radio business as well, too. Um, I had somebody come up to me and I was I think I was doing a broadcast someplace and and somebody came up to me and told me about some some break that I did that was absolutely funny. I didn't have a clue who this guy was, but he knew it verbatim and everything like that. I'm like, OK, but and that, I appreciate that because that means that that I'm doing something right. Yeah, and I'm doing something right. So, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think if people use that mindset of, you know. You know, perfect strangers coming up to you saying, hey, you know what you did is good and, and, and working with that. Give your, you know, give your product to somebody you don't know. Give it to somebody you don't know and see what happens. You never know. Right? Yes. And they're the ones most likely to give you honest feedback. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. OK, let's switch gears just a little bit. Okay. We've talked a lot about like your radio career and like what you've done business wise. But what is possibly one of the craziest or coolest stories that you have from doing radio? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. I always share this story with a lot of people. And and, 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 and I, it's not necessarily crazy, but it just shows you how you don't know who's around you. You never know. You never know when that person can blow up. You never know what can happen. I think this is probably by 93, 94, I think it was. This is right before I came to Iowa. I was working at this little college radio station, and 
back then you really didn't have a lot of uh hip hop artists that were you know getting uh, regular airplay on um commercial radio stations if they did it was like maybe Friday or Saturday night or whatever like that so okay but what happened is a lot of these hip hop artists would come to college radio like we had Wu-Tang records before anybody had them you know I remember the very first copy of uh, Protect Your Neck which was on uh it was on it was literally on Wu-Tang records literally it was a white label and they sent wow. I sent that out to you know all the college radio stations because college radio that's where the people got the the people you know got the hip hop from so um, one day we got a phone call about, um, these two artists that were going to be coming to the studio. Uh, and well, that's just, we want to do an interview with them. A guy by the name of Craig Mack, who was signed to bad boy records and, okay. and notorious B I G really uh, yeah, Biggie Smalls. Uh, and we, we had known about both of these cats and, you know, we just like, all right, you know, come on. But it wasn't like a starstruck thing because, they were, I mean, Biggie was not the Biggie that we know of now. He wasn't. He was just getting started. We knew he had, he had a couple features on a couple records that we knew about, but he he hadn't released his first album yet. So, okay, so this is way back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Well, you said 94, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is like, yeah, 93, 94. He, he was getting ready. It was 94. He was getting ready to release his first album. And so they're, they're doing a um, um, promo tour. And... Uh, it's, it, they talk about this in the movie Notorious about Biggie's life, where they would they did the Big Mac, where it was because it was Craig Mac and of course Notorious B.I.G. And I used to have a cassette that had it had Big Mac on it, had that on it. It was pretty cool. So they come to the studio, and uh, I was a Craig Mac guy because I just liked his flow. And um, so they both come in the studio. Biggie was really quiet. Craig Mac came in like a b boy, and he's all loud and everything like that. And I interviewed and talked to him. And then it was time okay. for them to, you know, go. I, we, we had this this rule that, hey, uh, if you come on our show, you got to freestyle. Uh, Biggie didn't want to freestyle. Craig Mack freestyle. And he was really good. And then Biggie saw what he was doing. He's like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So he got in on and did it and everything. It was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, I you really don't think too much of it. I don't even think we took pictures. I really don't think we took pictures. I, you know, I. It would have been different if it was, you know, in this day and age now where, you know, you have cell phone and everything like that. But we didn't, you know, we were at college and, you know, we didn't have our cell phones and have <laughs> and, you know, we had to, you know, had to see if somebody actually had a, you know, either have a photographer or have like a an actual camera with you. Um, yeah, because that was actual film back in those absolutely. days that you had to get developed. Right. And if, you wanted, <laughs> if you wanted the next day, it was going to take a while. You had to make sure you saved the picture. You couldn't post it on a Facebook page or anything like that. But. You know, it was cool. We, you know, we talked for a little bit and they left. And I told myself, I'm like, you know, they, they both those artists were cool, but Craig Mack is going to be the guy that's going to be the star. I was totally wrong. Totally wrong. <laughs> but the real cool thing about it, there was this little skinny guy that was kind of hanging out in the corner with him. He was just hanging out and everything like that, talked to him for a little bit. Uh, come to find out that that was Puff Daddy. So uh, that's what I was just going to yeah, guess. Yeah. Yeah. Puff Daddy. <laughs> so I had these guys in my studio and talked to them like 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 it was no big thing. And, you know, that was the kind of thing that that happened all the time. Uh, you know, artists like that, that, you know, they come in the studio and you know, like, like new artists. You know, I remember uh, MC Search from Third Base got a chance to interview him. And for, for me at that time, that was a huge deal because this is after the whole Third Base thing. And I, oh, I'm like, oh my God, this is this is like heaven, freaking search. And 
he comes into the studio and I'm trying not to mark out or anything like that. And he comes, <laughs> he sits down and we, we talking and, and he's surprised about how much I know. Now he's doing an interview with me. He's interviewing me. It was just so cool. I think I was more excited about that interview than I was the biggie interview. So, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, just, I don't, I, I don't have any really crazy stories about, you know, you know, like, and then somebody ate a banana in the studio and then farted. I, I, I you know, not that, <laughs> but just, you know, people that you got, you had a chance to meet and, and, and you wouldn't, you would have never guessed that, you know, it had been like that. I, I always tell people this story. Okay. I forgot about this one. Um, Malcolm Jamal Warner, who played Theo on, um, Cosby show. Um, he was in town doing, this was after the Cosby show went off the air, I believe. Uh, he actually came to town, this is in Chicago, to do a play. A friend of mine knew he was in town, and so he actually happened to be up at, at our school, and I had, him, I had him come in. He did a drop for our show, and I thought that was going to be the last time I was going to see him. Well, it wasn't. Uh, we actually wound up hanging out for a whole week. Like, I knew all the hot spots to get into, so uh, I helped him. <laughs> so he was just like, you know, he would, like, call me. Hey. We're talking about going over here. What do you think? You think you can get us in? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the time, I don't know if you've ever watched Family Matters, uh, Myra, the the second girl that uh, Steve Urkel was trying to date, the shorter one. Uh, okay. She, he, Malcolm Jamal Warner was going out with her. Her name is Michelle Thomas. She's passed on. She passed away uh, a couple years back. But she was there as well, too. And so I'm hanging out with these cats like it's like nobody's business. Like, yeah, you know, because we're about the same age. And so, you know, stories like that, were, which were really cool. And, you know, people were just people and we got to hang out. Um, I'll tell you one more. This will be the last one. All um, right. Uh, my Kid Rock story. Uh, it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Um, so I'm going to probably try to take some things out <laughs> so I don't get in any trouble. Uh, there is, you don't have to worry about the FCC no, here, no, Don. No, all right, no, so no, no, I'm not worried about the FCC. I ain't worried about that. I just, you know, because you know, being professional now, you know. Okay, all right. But um, I, I guess I could, I could tell a little bit. Of, well, um, uh, Kid Rock's brother uh, used to uh, go to DePaul University. I spent a little bit of time there, and uh, we wound up uh, becoming friends. Now, his brother lost his leg in a motorcycle accident, um, I, I guess, uh, years before I met him. But this guy could do more on one leg than I could do on two. When that, really? Now, when I tell you this, you, nobody ever believes this. But this is the God, the honest truth. He drove a stick. Okay. And he had one leg. Damn. Yeah. I, I, I was in the car with him. Like, he's driving a stick. And he only has one leg. And but just absolutely. any special any special features or just a regular stick? Just a regular stick. Regular. Okay. But we wound up being really good friends. And he told me about his brother. Yeah, my brother raps and this and that and the other. So he actually got me a copy of Yodeling in the Valley. That was Kid Rock. No, Kid Rock's first album was Grit Sandwiches for Breakfast, which was on Jive. And so okay. he did records. We had to cut, cut song with Too Short and some other stuff. And um so he got me that, and we were playing that stuff, and you know I was kind of familiar with the stuff, and and I think I, I'm dating myself a lot. Uh, there there was this thing called uh, the jukebox, the video jukebox, where you could call and get a video play, cost you ninety nine cents, and everything like that. It was always on some crappy channel, and everybody watched it. Uh, but Kid Rock had videos on there and everything like that, and I knew. I, I mean, when I say I hung out with his brother, 
I literally hung out with his brother all the time. Like I spend the night at his brother's house. I go up and, and hang out at his house on the weekends. Uh, his, right on. his sister, I knew his sister very well. Where you know, she's really cute. Um, but I used to hang out with her all the time. And um, but I never gotten a chance to meet um, uh, Kid Rock until one Halloween. He actually uh, showed up in town at this party. Uh, his brother told me that he was coming, so he came, and he was a really quiet dude. And you know, we chit chatted and talked and everything like that while we were at the party. And then after the party, we went back to my friend uh, Billy's house. And um, we sat, me and Kid Rock, we sat and talked hip hop like all night long. And the dude's knowledgeable about a lot of stuff. And it was it was a really, really cool moment. Um, I'm not necessarily, you know, keen on a lot of his politics now. Uh, he's not, I don't think he's the same person that he uh, that he was. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's not the same person. But uh, I'm still happy to know that, you know, he was successful at what he did and everything like that. But we... I mean, when I say we hung out, I mean, I mean, it was just like like we're, how we're talking right now, you know, like you talk about Run DMC and, you know, what's wrong with hip hop. And, 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 and this is what we did. And it was really, really cool. So a lot of my memories are, you know, are like that, you know, and I, I, I've always enjoyed those. So Nice, man. Nice. Those are the memories that, you know, the ones that don't necessarily get you close to being killed, you know, that you can tell everybody about. True, and true. <laughs> and a nice little memory to have, now, you know. Now, now, don't get me wrong; I've had those moments. I just, you know, they don't stick out as much as the good moments. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> some of those you try to forget, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, anything that's like near death, I just kind of just like look at it and just go, "Okay, that's cool." I survived. Yeah, that can stay right over there. Um, I, 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 uh, I, I my wife, um. Uh, was actually privy to this thing, uh, and this actually happened with Karen. And this actually happened the week before Tommy Lang and I first did our first morning show together. Um, there was a uh, Leonard Skinner was playing the Jones County Fair, I think it was, and um, I don't know if you know a lot about Leonard Skinner. Um, there's a, lot, a little bit. There's a lot of um, rebel flags at oh, the yeah. show, and you know, being a brother. It's kind of, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, I don't know. And I'm, I'm like the, the face of the radios of the classic rock station. And I got to go on stage to introduce Leonard Skinner. Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. It's not like I haven't, you know, done, you know, introduced acts before. I mean, I did Def Leppard, okay. but this was a little bit different. Yeah, because it was draped in Confederate flags right. or. Right, yeah, it was just it was a little bit different. Or maybe I was just overthinking it. But um, I, I, I'm like, well, I got to come up with something to do to just kind of I just have to come up with something. So there was an intern at the station whose brother was there and he had this T-shirt on. And, I, and when I saw the shirt, I said, I have to grab that shirt. I have to get that shirt. So I told her, I said, what can I do to get that shirt from you? I said, I'll give you a couple station T-shirts. Like, All right, cool. So I grabbed the shirt, took that shirt and then put my station shirt over that shirt. And now it's time for me to go on stage. So I go and say, hey, everybody, Big D, Don Black from KRA. Hey. All right. So, you know, I'm looking out in the crowd, you know, I might feel, I'm feeling a little bit nervous, but I think I have something that's going to make me feel like one of you. I whip off my station T-shirt and there it is. 
It's a, sh a black T-shirt with a Confederate flag on it. On 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 the shirt, it says "Smart Ass White Boy." And I, <laughs> Leonard Skinner's up next. Talk to you guys later. And I walk off the stage, and it is silence. Silence. I walk through the the, the fair, and people are just looking at my shirt, like, "Oh my God." What does he have on? I just, I just, I'm just walking, cheesing, and everything like that. And I got to a car and got the hell out of there. And that, was <laughs> so, um, but uh, you know, I, you know, I got, I got plenty of stories like that. But you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's all been fun. And you know, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't change anything that I've done in this business because if, I, if I did, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Well said. Well said. Um, one thing funny, like in Iowa, mm -hmm. like speaking of Confederate flag and stuff, I don't understand why people would. Iowa was not a Confederate state, but yet a lot of people were riding around with Confederate flags and cheering for the losing team. And, I you know, I, I, I try not to. Uh, what's the best way to put this? Uh, I it, it, you're right. It's absolutely weird. Um, I, I will tell you this. One thing that I've found, I, I probably could use the word disturbing, um, in the last couple of years is some of the people that I was really, really cool with when I was working at KRNA, I mean, listeners, I would say, and, you know, the, the political climate that we're in right now, I understand, you know, whatever beliefs you have with, with whoever you decide to roll with and everything like that, it's okay. But there's something to be said about, you know, just being human, just yeah. being human and seeing people for what they really are. I've had to defriend a lot of people because of their political stance on certain things, whether it be racial issues. You know, actually, a lot of it has to do with racial issues, um, gender equality. Uh, I, I tend to lean more on the left on those things. But, you know, to each his own, you do what you do. Uh, you know, I still have friends that, you know, are on the right that we could still have good conversations and talk and still be friends. But yeah, but I've had people that would say probably the most racist things you could possibly think of. They would still be friends with me like, oh, well, you know, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about them because those guys I'm like, no. you're the exception to the rule. It's like now that that's not going to fly. I've deleted a lot of people because of of that. I, now, once again, I'll say I, we can agree to disagree on a lot of things. You know, that's fine. But you have to find a way to do it respectfully. And if you do it, uh, you're doing it to a point where you're offending me. It, it, it gets really, really weird. And, and that that kind of that that kind of sucked for me because I mean, we had some people that were I was really, really close to that. You know, you come to find out, well, that's what you really think. Wow. Okay, well, I just have to go in a different direction. So, you know. Yeah, it's okay to have different views, as you were saying, but when you close that door to a conversation, right. that's kind of when you're like just stuck in your ways, and sometimes you got to say bye. Right, right. And I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. And like I said, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to force my beliefs on anybody because what I believe is what I believe, and it's okay. But I'm always open to discussion to talk about things. And, and and have conversations because that's, that's how you learn about life is by being able to, to talk about a lot of things. Not saying that you all are gonna, that people are going to come to a conclusion where they agree on the same thing, but you may leave that situation, you know, picking up something that you didn't have before. You may. But yeah. if you're completely closed off to certain things, it, it just it just won't work.
You know, I've I've always kind of thought that the movie Bullworth had it right uh, when Warren Beatty. Yeah, kind of going back a little yeah. bit. Warren Beatty said the only way to like solve racism is just have everybody fuck everybody <laughs> until everybody's the same damn color, and then you know that that will solve it. Oh, you know what? You know what? Uh, <laughs> I completely forgot about that movie. I may have to go and buy that. I <laughs> I think I still have the soundtrack to Bullworth around here someplace. I really I had that back in the oh day. Oh my god, Bullworth. I cannot believe you just quoted that movie. My goodness. Uh you I know what? believe it popped into my head. You know, it, it's <laughs> funny that you say that though, that you know, that quote, because uh, you know, you would think in the world we live in now, it's 2016. And you think that we wouldn't have to see some of the things that we see now. I should not have to hear about the same things that my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my mother had. I shouldn't have to experience those things, but I still do to this day. And the reason why those things happen is because you've heard the term that, you know, those who don't know their history, they're doomed to repeat it. Yes. And what happens is people think that we're so far removed from all those things that those things don't matter anymore. And what they don't understand is that you still have to discuss these things and talk about these things that, you know, these things happened. You know, this happened. X, Y, Z happened. You, you have to put these things out there and remind people how we used to be and that we can't go back there. But when you still see people doing things, I mean, it, it irks me that you can still that I mean. At least once a year, I hear a story about somebody hanging a noose on a tree out, out of like, seriously, we're still doing that. We're still yeah. doing that. Uh, there was the story that happened in Arizona with the with the girls, you know, you know, they had the letters on their shirts and they spelled the N word on their shirts and, and they took a picture for their high school yearbook. Really? We're still doing this? Wow. We're still dealing with this. Now, you will have some people that say, you know, hey, you know, racism doesn't exist. You know, if you st we stop talking about it, then, you know, it ain't going to happen. Well, this is what happens when you stop talking about it. People continue to do these things. So, yeah. And, and once again, like I said, discussion, conversation about these things, you know, about our difference. We're all different. We all have we all think differently. We all were raised differently. We all see things differently. But discussion is the thing that gets us to looking at each other as human beings. And, and it's not just white people, it's black people as well, too. You know, there are black people that 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 do things, uh, you know, I, that, to hinder themselves as well, too. Um, you know, I've always, I, I, I'll say this, and, and some people may not agree with me, uh, and I cannot believe I'm going to say it, but I, I will say it. I believe this, that in order for me to get what I need to get out of life, I have to work 10 times harder than you do because of the color of my skin. Now, there are two ways to deal with this, because as a black man in America, there's two ways to deal with this. One, you can bitch, piss and moan about it. Or two, you can just do what you got to do. I choose to do what I have to do. I don't hold that against anybody. But because of the things that I've seen in my career, the things that I've seen happen, and I don't hold that against you or anybody. It just it, it's just the way that it is. And what I have to do is I have to just work my butt off. And, and get to where I need to get. And that's what I, uh, but I, but once again, I stress, I don't hold that against anybody, but it is something, there are a lot of people, when I say that, they they, they, they don't understand it. 
And the only way you'll be able to understand it is if you're in my shoes. Exactly. I actually heard this uh, comedian, Owen Benjamin, be like, man, I have my friends all the time say, hey, Owen, man, you don't know what it's like to be black, dude. And then he's like, well, yeah, you're right. I don't know what it's to be black, but you have no idea what it's like to not be black. That's true. True. And it kind of resonates with me because like a lot of white people who aren't racist, Mm -hmm. but um, it's like the people who feel that they aren't racist and try not to do racist things Mm. like kind of feel like hearing about the racism all the time Mm. and it's like dude i'm not doing it but i feel like i'm being like you know like thrown in with all the other jackasses you know well here's what i here's what i will tell you imagine what it's like and i do get what you're saying because that's that's not fair that's absolutely not fair because i know tons of white people who are not racist and I, I, I actually argued with somebody, a, a, a African American, about uh, the comment that they made about you know white people and this and that and the other, and they're all like this and they're all like that and everything like that. And I said, okay, well, if they're all like that, so you're saying that my wife is like that? Because my wife is white. So I said, and, and you've seen my wife, so why would you say something like that? That's 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 yeah. that you're evil. Um, but 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 here's the thing. When you say something like that, and, and, and this is this is what I equate it to, um, when oh boy, when I was pulled over one time, and I I, I look at myself as an educated African American, just an educated man. Okay. Uh, that you know, the program director of a station in town, people know who I am, this, that, and the other, and I had an officer make this statement to me, and. These are the things that just kind of bring it back home. He pulled me over, and I didn't have my 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 proof of insurance because I had left it at at the house because I just got finished doing some stuff and I had left it at the house. So I told him that I left it there, and he goes, he looks at me, looks me up, and I said, "Okay, you look like you have a job." I'm like, "What the hell does that? <laughs> the hell does that mean? I look like I have a job?" Did you say that to him or no, I, did you just no, speak it? No, I didn't say it to him because saying that to him puts me in a whole different realm of what could possibly happen. Yes. So I didn't. Um, and that was in the back of my mind. I'm saying, to my, I can't believe he just said that. I can't believe he just said that. Now, to have that guy seeing me in a different, if I was with the station someplace, XYZ, and he saw me, he'd probably think, think completely different of me. But why why does it take me to have my station stuff on and everything like that and this, that, and the other for you to treat me like a human being? Now, I, I'll tell you this as well, too. And this happened to me plenty of times in Iowa. You know, being a black guy working at the at the rock station. There have been plenty of times that I'd walk into places, you know, walk into a bar. And they were in Cedar Rapids. And people would be looking at me like, well, who the hell is this black? That, that's how they're looking. The minute I open up my mouth and they figure out, oh, it's been down by everything's okay. Well, I, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that I couldn't come in here and just have a drink without you staring at me? But because I'm the guy on the radio, now I'm okay? Well, he's not one of them. You know, that's that's sad. That's sad. Um, and it's something that now here here's the thing. Here's another thing to look at. Okay. Um when we, when we talk about race, we start talking about these things, and I and I and I do get the whole thing about you know all we all white people are not racist, they're not, um, and it it sucks to have people 
pigeonholed being that. Now, here's the one thing that that we really have to look at. You could probably go there. There are white people that could go through their whole life and not have to deal with a black person, not have to deal with it at all. Wow. That, it, it, this is it's, never thought about it, that. Not have to deal with and your life is just your life. Your life is normal and everything like that. Now, for me to do what I need to do in some way, shape or form, I'm going to have to deal with white people or, you know, people, of you know, whatever. And, you know, preconceived notions, this, that and the other. And it, it, it gets really weird. It gets really weird. I've been lucky that I've been able to deal with people who saw me for who I was, who saw me for who I, who I really am. I've been lucky to deal with people who looked at me as that black guy, but through conversations, we've come to conclusions that, you know, we, they we, they opened their eyes to, you know, hey, maybe my, th- my way of thinking was wrong about certain things, and, and we were able to have dialogues, dialogue about these things. Um, it, it goes back to what I was saying before. We all have our differences. You know, we're all raised in certain ways. Um, if you are able to have an open mind to openly discuss things, a lot of these things can, a lot of these things can go away. But the only way that it goes away is being able to talk about it and, and talk about it in a civilized manner, because there are things about you, about white people that I don't, I don't understand. And this, I'm pretty sure there's things about black people that you don't understand. And it's, Very true. And it's okay to talk and, and, and be honest and ask questions. It's just like anything else. That's how you figure these things out. I, I get it both ways, but you have to be able to listen and to understand, and that's how we get better. Very true. Very true. I got a couple last questions for you. Okay. Um, do you have any advice for the person getting started in radio? Uh, yeah. Don't. No, I'm just joking. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, what I would tell them is um, – there, I mean, there's so many ways to do this now. Um, and there, I mean, there weren't ways like, like the, how we're doing this right now. You know, when I started, this was impossible. You couldn't do this. I mean, we're, you know, you, you couldn't do this. And now you can, you know, like through the, the, the miracle of the internet and, 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 and all kinds of other things. Uh, if you're serious about your craft, if you're serious about what you want to do, first thing I would tell you to do is invest in yourself. Invest in yourself, uh, you know, get things that you need, uh, you know, you know, you can build a studio at home if you need to. You can do that. All you need is a laptop and a microphone. You get your good Yeti microphone for about 150 bucks. And, yeah. you know, um, you know, be, you, be diligent about what you what you want to do. What we look for now are, are go getters. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for people who are ready to work. Uh, and not necessarily, you know, you know, just wanting to be a star. I mean, you can be a star, but it's going to, but, but it's going to show if you are willing to put the work in. I mean, you see a lot of cats now. I mean, they got their own websites. They're doing videos. They're doing all kinds of things. So you got to be, you know, you can't, it's, the days are just sitting in the studio, you know, you got to, if you really, really want to be good at this, you got to be really really savvy about a lot of things so um what i would say is um you know make sure that you're a go-getter you have all the 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 tools 
to get yourself ready to be that good. Um, the other thing I would tell people is just, you know, listen to some really good, good people that, that do radio. Um, I, you can listen to some, I, I, I listen to a lot of, I, I listen to old stuff from, you know, DJs that I, I grew up listening to and pick up a lot of things from them and, you know, you know, figure out how they got from point A to point B and, and, and make it fit myself, you know, um, with this, with the internet there, there, there's so many ways that you can get better. Um, so I would say just use all, use all the avenues that you have to do that. Um, be persistent, um, send your product out, uh, your, your air checks and everything out to all kinds of stations. I, I tell people this all the time. I go back and speak to Columbia college every year. And normally I have these kids that come up to me talking about how, you know, they want to work, they want to work at a station, uh, that plays the kind of music that they like. And I always tell them this, and normally because all the ra urban radio cats, I said, do you want to do urban radio or do you want to do radio? There's a big difference. Because doing radio means that you can work in any format. You can work any place. And that person that can work in radio can have a long career. Because just because there's a certain type of music that you like, that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the, the, the thing that's, that's going to sustain you in this business. Okay. You could be good at, at talking. You could do talk radio. You could do sports radio. You could do all kinds of things you can do. But when you limit yourself, uh, that's the only thing that you're going to be able to do. Like there's a lot of cats that do urban radio and they live their thing. They got the neck tattoos and this, that, 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 that. Okay, that's good for a good maybe 10, 15 years, you know, from being like maybe 18, 19 to maybe by 35, 36 or something like that. But when you get into your 40s and stuff like that and you're the you're the, the creepy person hanging out with all the young cats, it doesn't look too <laughs> you know. True, true. So you have to find a way to move on to your next thing. You know, because nobody stays at the party forever. So how do you transition yourself to the next phase? And you always got to be thinking about that. Because, I mean, how many people have you heard about being in radio really young and then they out really young, like at 30, 32, 33? Yeah, I got out of radio when I moved out here to the West Coast. Right. Uh, so that's that's about when I got out. Right. And but, but, part of the reason why I started this up. But 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 what you're doing right now, I mean... This avenue, right? I mean, think about this avenue maybe ten years ago. I mean, it it was it wasn't as it wasn't as easy for everybody for 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 people to do, but now it is. And if yeah. and if you're good at what you do, if you're really really good at what you do, and people pay attention to it, it's kind of like what I was saying about the music thing. I know people who have gotten picked up at radio, you know, do a talk radio from radio stations because of their podcast. And you do, you have people that that do that are on terrestrial radio that do podcasts as well. They do use that to supplement some of the stuff that they do on the air, you know. So I mean, it's a good exercise. It's absolutely a good exercise. So they, I mean, if you really, really want to do it, use all the tools that you have. Be persistent about what you want to do, and don't limit yourself. All right, and think towards the next step of the game. Always right? think to the next step. Always be like two steps ahead. Two steps. I always say, like when we were pulling our music back in the day, we had carts and all that stuff. I always told people that what we had to do, we had to be three steps ahead of ourselves of what we want to do. Always had to be three steps ahead, and that's what you should be in your career. Right on, right on. Good advice there. Thank you, Don. And now, um, this is the question that I ask all of my guests. Okay. 
Um, the show's name is uncontained, meaning going against the social like restraints of uh, them saying you can't do that job. You need to be in an office job. You can't be a radio station DJ. You can't be a musician. You can't host a podcast. You can't don't don't go out and chase your dream. So my question to you is, how do you live uncontained? I do what the hell I want to do. I don't have to answer. The, the, there's only a couple things that I got to do. I got to take care of my family. That's okay. that's it. <laughs> I got to <laughs> I got to provide for my family. And, uh, you know, I've been able to do what I've done for, you know, you know, more than half my life. And, you know, there were things that there's still some things that I still want to do that I haven't gotten a chance to. And I'm still working on those things. But um, I enjoy what I do. I love what I do. So it's not like it's work. Um, what are the things I, I would say helps me live, live, live uncontained, if that's the term we use it, is loving what I do. I'm doing something that I love. So, you know, how can I not, you know, I, I mean, I have all the freedom in the world because I'm doing what I love to do. That's, okay. nothing, I mean, that, that's it, period. Um, if you're just doing something because you need to make money and this, that, and, that, and, I, and I get that. I've been in that position where, you know, you had to have that job because you got to pay that rent and everything like that. Okay, fine. But at the end of the day, the thing that you love to do, I mean, you have you have a dream. The only if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't invest in yourself and what you want to do, how can you get anybody else to believe in what you want to do? You got to believe it. And not, what happens with a lot of times is people unfulfilled dreams go unfulfilled. Dreams go unfulfilled because the people who have those dreams they don't believe that they can do it. Yes, they don't believe it. And I hate to quote Steve Harvey. I hate to quote this, but he talks about jumping, and and that's is very true. You have to believe in yourself and you have to, you know, you know, take the chance and, and do it on your own. Uh, just, you know, people can't make things happen for you. You have to try to make it happen for yourself. And when you do that, you may, you know, get hit a couple of times. But at the end of the day, if you're able to pull it off, look at what you've done. Yeah. When you said you were going to quote Steve Harvey, I thought you were going to say Miss Columbia is the winner. <laughs> That probably would have been better. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no. I mean, he has this whole this whole video about jumping. I, if, 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 if it's all over social media, I, I, I urge people to go take a look at it if you can. And what he said was absolutely true. Um, he, the statement he makes is that you know, you know, people are afraid. To, you know, people are afraid to jump because they think that their parachute won't open. Yeah, and you know. What's worse, you know, sitting on the sidelines, you know, thinking, you know, well, I can't do it because I don't think it's going to work or not trying. You, you, you know, not. You know, I, I say try. I say go and try. You have. To. Hell yeah. If you fail, you fail. But at least you can say that I attempted to do it. I attempted to do it. And if you're really good at what you do, you will not fail. You won't. It may take you a little bit of time to get where you need to be, but you'll be able to do it. So that I, I think that's how I, I, I live my life. I just I, I I take care of my family and I live every single day. I live, you know. I, All right. And I, I I would hope that your listeners would do the same. That's that's the goal of this uh, podcast: one to entertain and two to help people 
live uncontained, as I say. And that's actually how I sign off the show. Right. And I've been having my guests do it. Yeah. Basically, just wrap it up with uh, live uncontained. You can put whatever flavor you want on right. it. But before you do that, uh, you mentioned social media, everything like that. Where can people get a hold of Big D Don Black? All right. This is really simple. Everything that I have, and I'm not sure how this panned out. But everything I have is Big D Don Black. That's spelled B-I-G-D-D-O-N-B-L-A-C-K. You can find me on Twitter under that. You can find me on Instagram on that. Uh, if you look me up on um, on Facebook, uh, there's uh, there's another Don Black who's a who's a a, a, a very racist person. That's not me. Uh, <laughs> okay, good to know. He's part of some white supremacist group. That is not. Yeah, that's that's that is not me. Not me. I am the black guy. Um, so uh, if, if you follow me, I'm, I, 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 do, I, I do a lot of stupid videos. I, I, I post a lot of thought-provoking things. I, I t- also write some really stupid things as well, too. Uh, but it's all fun. So everything, even Snapchat, everything is Big D Don Black. That's B-I-G-D-D-O-N-B-L-A-C-K. That's how you do it. And 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 once again, I, I appreciate you having me and asking me to do this. Really, I really do appreciate it. I like talking about things like that. And and the best way to live uncontained is take your ass out of the container. There you go. <laughs> very well, man. Very well. Thank you for coming on, too. I appreciate that a lot. And one of the cool things about Don on Facebook, he uses the Facebook live feature so you can actually see him in uh, the studio. Yes. Yes. Uh, I've actually been doing Prince videos the past couple of days. Uh, and I think uh, we got this big Prince party we got coming up on uh, tomorrow uh, that is going to be really, really emotional, but going to be a lot of fun. So I've just been gearing up for that. And uh, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I like you never know what will happen on Facebook Live. Uh, I we could be talking about something serious or we could be making poop jokes. <laughs> all right the prince thing will have already happened by the time uh this airs but uh but yeah you've been uh going purple crazy on facebook hey look man let me tell you uh i i i, I tell people that prince passing away was a lot different for me than michael and i was really upset when michael jackson died this is this was something different and uh i, I could i just couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that you know prince is no longer here that makes that that makes no sense whatsoever. But it is what it is. But yeah. when you go around and you 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 just talk musically, thirty nine albums that we know of, thirty nine, thirty nine, and his vaults, which they drilled into. I mean, there's so much. They say that. There's so much music in that vault that you know. I mean, we'll never hear it all. We'll never hear it all. I hope to hear some, but. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I think you know his death, which is tragic. I think people are rediscovering how much of a musical genius he really was, and that's not. We're not talking like just R and B, not pop. We're talking about music, period, because he did everything. So, but uh, yeah, uh, it's, just follow me. Follow me on social media. You you won't you won't be bored. I tell you that much. You won't. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, thanks again. And could you sign off for us with uh, Live Uncontained? Please do me a favor. Live Uncontained. 
And that does it for another episode of Uncontained. That was episode 13 with Big D Don Black Revisited. Thank you for listening. I hope everybody out there is staying safe. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a crazy time. And once again, I apologize for any irregularity in the show schedule. Uh, things have been a little crazy and, uh, I promise I'll get back on schedule here before too long. But if, uh, shows are a little off, uh, please, please bear with me. And I promise you, I'll get something out for you. I won't leave you hanging. And, I want to know what you guys are up to, what you're currently working on to stay creative and stay productive uh, during COVID, and uh, you know what 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 drives you guys. So hit me up on my social medias, um, preferably either Instagram or Facebook, but I do I do a little Twitter as well. If you hit me up, I'll I'll message you back. But it's all at Uncontained Pod, and uh, you can also hit me up at UncontainedPod.com and. Uh, check out uh the show there as well so uh until next time live uncontained